Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Jeff, you kind of got a break from me and Cut for Time for a little while. We're back. And um, somehow I like we're in chapter six already of the book of Acts. So why don't you unpack chapter six verses one through seven for us from your sermon on Sunday? Yeah, so we are continuing in this story uh, that Luke has recorded for us of how the Holy Spirit is working through the church and uh, empowering God's people as witnesses. And this uh, we've been going back and forth in the in uh, between external opposition, uh, threats and persecution to starting to see both more of that and a little bit more of internal tension and conflict. And this time, uh, the the tension, the problem shows up when uh, a bunch of uh, Greek-speaking Jewish followers of Jesus say, hey, something's not right here. Uh, our the, the widows in our kind of cultural group are getting overlooked in being cared for and that's not right and uh instead of you know becoming defensive and hostile the apostles realize like oh well that's not right and it shouldn't be that way so we need to solve that but we can't ourselves be the ones to solve it so we need to come together and figure out how to solve this so let's you guys find people that are full of the spirit and trustworthy that we can give this ministry to, and we'll pray for them and commission them to make sure that the ministry happens so that we can focus on what God's called us to do. And that's what they did. And the outcome Luke tells us is the the word of God continued to increase again, another little summary statement. And uh, even many of the priests became obedient to the faith, became followers of Jesus. So again, it's another little, um, in a sense, you'd say success story uh, that Luke shares of here's another example of a challenge, a conflict, a problem that the first followers of Jesus faced and what they did with it. And then what God did through that in them as a result. So it was, you know, got me to thinking about, um, you know, how I don't like problems and interruptions right like that's natural for all of us uh and and we can just tend to you know either how do i get through this or get away from it or just get this problem off my plate as quickly as possible which is not at all what's going on here i think luke is intending for us to see this as a recognition that problems and challenges and even conflict are a potential place for growth and for God to do something in us and through us that wouldn't have happened without the tension or the problem, you know, but more often, especially, you know, when our kids were little, it was just like, just, I don't want to deal with this. Just put on your socks so we can leave. I, you know, I I don't need this problem. I've got other stuff I'm trying to deal with instead Mm -hmm. of seeing, Oh, this is surfacing something in me, maybe that God needs to deal with. And it's an opportunity for me to grow in patience and generosity and kindness and trust. Yes. And we see Jesus being interrupted all the time. And how does he respond in his ministry? That's something that we looked at. I remember a few years ago, we were studying, um, 
were doing like a, a study on lament and then COVID happened. And so we did a whole series on interruptions because it felt like our whole world ha- was interrupted, right? And so highly recommend people going back and listening to that if they, it's maybe it's been a while, maybe we need the refresher everybody, or maybe just if you want to hear it for the first time, we've looked at this and like looked at the heart behind our response to interruptions says a lot about us. Yeah, that wow, good memory, Claire. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was probably three years ago in the spring. Yeah, and uh, I it was like life interrupted or Jesus interrupted. I think was the name of it. And yeah, yeah, you're right. So much of Jesus' ministry happens in the context of him on the way to go do something else, and yep. he doesn't get impatient. He doesn't get frustrated. He's like, oh well, this is what the Father's doing, and this is now the important thing. Like right, like he's going to uh the house of the synagogue leader Jairus to help yeah. heal his daughter when the centurion's servant shows up a gentile of all things and Jesus let lets himself get interrupted by this gentile when here's the Jewish synagogue leader who is an important person and his daughter is sick and needs his attention yeah. but Jesus is like well no this is what's going on right now and what God has brought in front of me and mm-hmm. he's on his way you know walking somewhere and the Syrophoenician woman pushes through the crowd just to touch the hem of his cloak and Jesus turns and says like, Oh, okay. I'm going to pay attention to this. Yeah. And so seeing um, interruptions as opportunities, small opportunities to encounter the Lord in a different way. Right. And just be in tune to who, what he's doing and who he puts in in our path. I think at that moment in time can be totally different than where we're headed, but yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, in the, in the church context and too, uh, man, there's just, uh, I don't know if you call it an occupational hazard or just human nature, right? Like as a pastor, people have ideas about things that we ought to be doing, or man, the church should be involved in this, or we should be engaged in that. And, and it can feel like, oh, maybe it's a demand or a pressure or an expectation that I'm supposed to be doing this. Uh, when actually, that's very likely God speaking through that person and possibly God in also maybe prompting that person to be part of addressing the problem that he's laid on their hearts. And so mm-hmm. then it becomes an issue of, oh, okay, well, how can God use me to help this person maybe live out what God has laid on their heart for something that we ought to be doing and ministry in the church or service in the community or engaging with a cultural issue. And uh, it's so, you know, I have to, we have to watch that too, right? Like it's, that's God speaks through his people and and as they're noticing what's going on in the world and saying like, oh yeah, maybe we should be doing something about that. Well, let's talk about that and pray about that together about what God might be saying to us in that. Yeah. And I think that like our church leadership and you and Joey aren't coming from the perspective of like authoritarian leadership. Instead, you guys act as like facilitators. And so if someone brings something to you, like an idea or a new way to be engaged in our neighborhood or serve our community or the world, um, the pressure doesn't all fall on you solely, but you have the opportunity to then facilitate or to manage the resources of our people and our church in a way to be able to meet, you know, meet needs. So um, I just think that it's like a humble space that you and Joey get to 
fill and be a part of and you create space for people to be able to bring these things to you guys and things that they do care about that are on their hearts so it means a lot that you guys open that space up for us well that, that's what we want we yeah thank you i hope it i hope it comes across that way and i hope that's what it is because that's what we want yeah for sure yeah all right so jess we had a question texted in i'm gonna throw at you Great. Send them in. I love, we love Joey and I love getting the questions texted in. I do too. In real time, I usually can see them, you know, or shortly after the sermon. And it's, it's always fun to see that engagement. All right. You mentioned one Gentile believer. There's a list of a few names and one of them was a Gentile who came to accept and know the Lord. This individual had a Greek name. Um, is it true that the presence of Greek named believers at the time would increase the credibility among other Greek speaking Jews for the sake of the gospel, you know, accepting the gospel? Yeah, yeah good, good question. Yeah. So uh, the, the quick background uh, reminder again is so Jewish people had spread all around the Mediterranean world and really mostly only around Jerusalem and in Palestine were they Hebrew or Aramaic speaking. Most of them for many years were just Greek speaking because Greek was the common language of the culture. And so as people were born, as Jews were born in that culture, most of them, a lot of them would have picked up Greek names. So yeah, the the, the presence of these Jewish people with Greek names as a connection and a relevance inside their culture would certainly have increased the credibility of the gospel to those Greek-speaking Jews, because as we're going to see shortly, the, the apostles and the gospel message are, are going to launch out of Jerusalem into the larger world, and they're going to start encountering a lot of these Greek-speaking Jews in the larger culture, and the, the presence of these uh, Greco-Roman Jewish believers in Jesus would, yeah, would be a huge advantage, right? A cultural connection point. Like, oh, well, they believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So why willing to consider that? Yeah. Good yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Eddie. Um, all right. So we learned at the very beginning of the sermon series, Acts is a theological history and telling of what Jesus is doing in the church. You and I were just talking about how there are different types within the story, different types of passages, narrative and instructive. And then um, based on what type of passage we're looking at, you're going to uh, prep for it differently and preach through it differently. And so can you tell us like, how do I, how do we identify those different types of passages? Like, how do we know right. when we come across one versus another? And then like, what implications does that have? Yeah. So Acts is pretty much exclusively, not totally, but the vast majority is just a narrative. It's a history of uh, what God is, is doing, has doing, will do. Uh, and it's, there, there's very little in terms of instruction, like, you know, if we think of Paul's letters to the churches, where typically in sort of the first half of the letter, he he's giving sort of big theological reminder of who Jesus is and who we are in him. And then the second half, it's like, okay, so based on that, here's what you do. Here's how you ought to live as God's people. 
And what we see in Acts is something different. It's it's just a narrative. It's a history of what God's people did in different circumstances based on what's going on around them and their sense of how God's leading them. And so there's no clear in Acts, there's very little that anyone is clearly saying, here's what you need to do based on what we're learning here. So what that means is as a, as a narrative text, it really forces us to, in a sense, slow down, uh, to pay attention to clues in the text and, and the outcome of events to try to make sense of what is God saying to us through this text. Uh, and that means we're also then going to have to bring in more thought about the, the whole Bible story. Where does this fit in the story? What do we know about the character of God? What's the context? What's the setting for what we're looking at here? Uh, and those are the things that we start to pull together to help us make sense of what am I supposed to take away from this story? Uh, but because there's not a clear, there's there's nothing, there's no clear statement at, like it, at the end of this section that says, that's what they did. So now you go and do likewise. Or mm-hmm. um, the, the way that we sort of, part of the clues that we get for how we interpret and what we do with the passage, for example, comes in verse seven, where we get this, you know, kind of the outcome statement saying the word of God increased and uh, the church grew and many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Okay, so that's a clue, right? Like, so God is blessing what they're doing here. So then we go back and say, okay, so what were they doing? What were the issues? What were the principles that they brought to bear? And then what does that mean for us in our context, in our setting, which is a little different from, you know, Paul, for example, saying, uh, be subject to Christ, one another. Uh, in love. Uh, Don't pass judgment on each other about debatable matters. Uh, You know, encourage one another. Don't give up meeting together regularly. Like those are clear didactic instruction passages. Mm -hmm. And then we do work to figure out what does that mean for us in our context. But it's not quite the leap uh, of having to think through okay, is is what we're reading here, is this presented as a positive thing? Is it a negative thing? Uh, is it something that was just unique to their situation? Is there a timeless principle here that we're supposed to take from this and learn and figure out how to apply in our situation? So the that's what makes a book like Acts so interesting and fun, really, to dig into, because it it could go a lot of different ways, right? Like, we even just saw that in the passage that we looked at from Sunday. We've seen it in a lot of passages. Like, well, you could look at it as though this is the main idea of the passage, or this is the principle we're taking away, or is it about church leadership? Is it about uh, the structuring of offices in the church? Is it about the foundational role of the, the word and prayer in ministry for the life of the church? Is it about care for uh, people who are sometimes overlooked because they're not in the majority culture? All of those things are happening, uh, right? And so we get to wrestle with what what is going on here, what's significant about it, and how does that relate to us? Uh, so it's it, yeah, it's a, it's a fun and uh, different kind of challenge studying and preaching through narrative texts. Yeah. So when you say we get to wrestle, are you saying we as a congregation, or you and whoever else is preaching is wrestling through? 
in preparation, I've got all these directions, which way are we going to go? Oh, I, well, I mean, it's both and, right? Like, because, yeah, I mean, Joey and I and whoever else is preaching are wrestling through that and, and preparing to preach. But even more so with texts like this, I, I think at least I feel this sense of like, boy, this could go in a bunch of different directions. And uh, and legitimately, you know, not like, you know, trying to force something, but there, there's this thread and there's this thread and there's this principle and there's this message and uh, and and that means then for us as members together in the body of Christ, or even just individually, we also are going to wrestle with those questions. Like, what does that mean for me? And how what how do I live this out? And what are the principles that I see in the text that that God is highlighting and and that speak into our situation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of a community. It's the work of the community of faith, uh, figuring that out and trying to live that out together. Yeah. And, um, you know, the early church was doing the exact same thing. So we're in, it's thousands of years later and we're still trying to work it out. Right. Yeah. That's a great observation. Right. Which is, uh, partly why, you know, we could say, there's always there's always a process of having to wrestle with the text and figure out what does this mean for us i mean here here's it's not like it's just you know blank slate and it can mean anything obviously yeah um but it does mean people reading through this text a thousand years ago may they're not going to come away with a fundamentally different message but they're going to be reading it in their context with their challenges in their day and what the church is facing at that time and maybe mm -hmm. think about applying it differently uh and and that's okay i mean that's i i want to say you know hopefully people take this the right way that that's a good thing right like yeah. there's there's not just one thing that the church is always supposed to take away from Acts 6 verses 1 through 7 for all times and all places. It's with the the text and our culture and our setting and our needs and who we are and uh, trying to also sort out the fact that none of us are coming to the text as objective interpreters either, right? Like we're products of our time and our culture and we're bringing our own subjective perspectives to the process of understanding and trying to apply God's word. Um, mm -hmm. And so it may look different to like, you could go online and look at how people preach through Acts 6, 1 to 7 and see five or six or eight or 10 different directions that people go with that text. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all of those can be legitimate and good. Yeah. We could also encourage people to go through the sermon discussion questions too, because this will help um, also cover like just maybe some of these missing pieces for people if they feel like something is missing, right? Like just because the sermon is over doesn't mean that they need to stop digging and working through this text. So we've got this amazing resource of these sermon discussion questions, which can take it one step further and help people sort out this text in their own heart and in their own Bible study. So definitely encourage people to check those out on our website or also in our app.
Yeah, I, those sermon discussion questions uh, are really good, uh, thoughtful, and I'm I'm saying that because um, we've got another member at the church who's helping us develop those and yes. does a great job with it. So I'm not saying I'm doing. You're a not good just job. patting him, patting yourself. Yeah, no, 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 he's he, he's doing a much better job, honestly, than I was doing at it, and really thoughtful, yeah. creative, in depth, um, really a great tool for helping us take the word into the week and um, meditate on it, ponder it, think about what does this mean for me and what would God do in my life with this text? Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Awesome. Thanks, Claire. Well, you'll be back again next week. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.